Section 55 of the Kerner Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report of the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders, Kerner Commission Report. Chapter 17 Recommendations for National Action, Part 6 improving educational practices elementary schools without major changes in educational practices greater expenditures on existing elementary schools serving disadvantaged neighborhoods will not significantly improve the quality of education moreover current assessments of preschool programs indicate that their benefits are lost in the elementary grades unless the schools themselves are improved we suggest adoption of the following educational practices to improve school performance. Extra incentives for highly qualified teachers working in ghetto and economically and culturally deprived rural area schools. The most effective means to attract such teachers is to make these schools exciting and attractive places to work. The recommended practices set forth below contribute toward this end. In addition, we suggest that opportunities for creative and imaginative teaching be expanded by allowing the teacher greater discretion in the selection and presentation of materials. Such an approach is likely to produce benefits in terms of attraction and retention of excellent teachers and improved student performance. Rewards related to attainment of career objectives should be provided for teachers working in schools serving disadvantaged children. For example, all school systems should consider requiring service in such schools as a condition to advancement to administrative positions, where the experience gained would be of great value. Reduction in Maximum Class Size it is clear that disadvantaged students require more attention and exert greater demands on teacher time than middle-class students. While reduction of class size may not in itself improve pupil achievement, it will free teachers to devote more time to educating disadvantaged students. It is of vital importance, therefore, that efforts to reduce the maximum class size in schools serving disadvantaged students be coupled with programs designed to improve the skills and capacities of teachers of disadvantaged children. Recognition of the history, culture, and contribution of minority groups to American civilization in the textbooks and curricula of all schools. To stimulate motivation, school curricula should be adapted to take advantage of student experiences and interests. Provision of supplementary services in the schools for severely disadvantaged or disturbed students. Such services should be made available within the schools, rather than at centralized facilities, and should include medical and psychiatric care. Individualized instruction through extensive use of non-professional personnel. There is impressive evidence that these workers can make a meaningful contribution by providing individualized tutoring and incentive lacking in segregated schools. In the Homework Helper program in New York City, 
pupils in the fourth through sixth grades were tutored after school by senior high school students tutoring was provided four afternoons a week under the supervision of a master teacher the tutors received training on the fifth day initiated with a ford foundation grant primarily to provide employment for the high school students the program had significant educational impact on both pupils and tutors the neighborhood youth corps and the college work study programs provide the tools for reproducing this program in every major city in some cities neighborhood youth corps students are already working in these schools but in many neighborhood youth corps job assignments are far less stimulating colleges and universities should be encouraged to assign more students participating in the college work study program to tutorial projects both programs neighborhood youth corps and college work study should be expanded and reoriented for this purpose intensive concentration on basic verbal skills a basic problem in schools in large cities is the low achievement in the fundamental subjects of students from the disadvantaged areas this has been documented in the haryu studies in new york the study prepared for the McCone commission following the watts riot of 1965 and nationally in the coleman report the lack of reading and writing ability affects detrimentally every other aspect of the later school program intensive assistance in literacy skills including remedial assistance should be provided in all schools serving disadvantaged children we recognize that the enrichment programs we recommend will be very costly esea provides financial assistance for such programs but the amounts available do not match the need to make a significant improvement in the quality of education provided in schools serving disadvantaged children esea funding should be substantially increased from its current level in addition title i should be modified to provide for greater concentration of aid to school districts having the greatest proportion of disadvantaged students this can be accomplished by altering the formula governing eligibility to exclude affluent school districts with less than specified minimum numbers of poor students improving educational practices secondary schools many of the educational practices recommended for elementary schools are applicable at the secondary level in addition secondary school students require extensive guidance counseling and advice in planning education program and future careers such assistance routinely provided by middle-class families is lacking for the ghetto student to promote its acceptance indigenous personnel college students returning vietnam veterans should be utilized the new stay in school program for which the president recently requested an appropriation of thirty million dollars could provide funds for this and other projects designed to motivate disadvantaged high school students to pursue their education we recommend that this program be fully funded intensive national program to increase verbal skills of ghetto residents for the products of the ghetto schools many of them unemployed and functionally illiterate these efforts will come too late 
to compensate for educational disadvantages already incurred we recommend a substantial appropriation to support an intensive year-round program beginning in the summer of 1968 to improve the verbal skills of people in low-income areas, with primary emphasis on the language problems of minority groups. The present effort simply does not match the need. Current estimates indicate that there are approximately 16,300,000 educationally disadvantaged Americans, those who have less than an eighth-grade education. While exact figures are not available, it is highly likely that a disproportionate number of the educationally disadvantaged are Negroes. Census data establishes that 36.9% of Negroes over 25 years of age but only 14.8% of whites, are functionally illiterate. The principal federal literacy program, Adult Basic Education, is meeting only a small fraction of this need. As of June 1966, it had provided assistance to some 373,000 people. The Adult Basic Education program is a sound instrument for implementing an intensive literacy program, by affording both the public schools and the community-based organizations the opportunity to conduct literacy projects, this program provides desired flexibility. It should be strengthened and expanded to make a major impact on illiteracy. To concentrate its effect where the need is greatest and the potential payoff high, we suggest that priority be given to the unemployed and underemployed and to welfare mothers, Increasing the literacy levels of these groups would eliminate a major barrier to productive employment and improve support for education in the home. The high school dropouts should be brought into the program by lowering the age limit from 18 to 16, as proposed by the President. Course offerings should be expanded to include matters of interest and concern to residents of low-income areas. EXPANDED EXPERIMENTATION, EVALUATION, AND RESEARCH Much remains to be learned about the most effective methods of teaching disadvantaged children in schools segregated by race and class. Research efforts should be increasingly oriented in this direction. In addition to research, federal support should be provided for promising but as yet unvalidated experimental programs designed to involve the talents and resources of the entire community in support of education of disadvantaged children and develop new and better educational techniques particularly adapted to the interests and needs of these students. Among the educational approaches which we believe should be considered and evaluated are the current efforts to develop new patterns of education, such as storefront schools and street academies, for students who do not fit the traditional pattern, possible forms of competitive education, such as the use of businesses, universities, and neighborhood corporations as subcontractors for the operation of certain education programs, concentration of assistance to a few schools serving ghetto children to test the effects of a maximum compensatory education effort, development of model experimental subsystems, high school and several feeder schools to provide specialized instruction, 
and teaching English as a second language to ghetto students whose dialect often constitutes a first language. Finally, there is great need to evaluate not only these experimental programs, but the entire enrichment effort. The Elementary and Secondary Education Act should be amended to require recipient school systems to undertake a thorough evaluation of their compensatory education effort as a condition to receiving ESEA funds. Improving Community School Relations Community participation in the educational process should be encouraged. The school systems of our largest cities have become highly centralized, with decision-making responsibility for a large and disparate population concentrated in a central board of education. While this process has produced substantial benefits, a city-wide tax base and non-political administration, it has sometimes entailed serious sacrifices in terms of accountability and community participation. What is necessary is to preserve the worthwhile features present in the existing system while eliminating the liabilities thus far encountered. The objective must be to make public education more relevant and responsive to the community and to increase support for it in the home. This can be accomplished through maintaining centralized control over educational standards and the raising of revenue, while decentralizing control over other aspects of educational policy. The precise mix must be determined locally. However, specific mechanisms for seeking the advice and consultation of students and parents, such as parents' advisory councils or other similar bodies, should be adopted. Ghetto schools should serve as community centers. School facilities should be available during and after normal school hours for a variety of community service functions, delivery of social services by local agencies, including health and welfare, adult and community training and education programs, community meetings, recreational and cultural activities, decentralization, and the establishment of parents' advisory councils will afford the community a means through which to communicate needs for such services and to play an active role in shaping activities. In addition to making better use of the major capital investment in school plants, this approach will encourage ghetto residents to regard their schools not as alien institutions but as vital community centers. Use of local residents as teacher aides and tutors. We have noted the educational gains accomplished through the use of local sub-professional personnel in the schools. These workers can contribute to improved community school relations by providing a close link between the school system and the parents. Results of achievement and other tests should be made public on a regular basis. To increase the accountability of the public schools, the results of their performance should be made available to the public. Such information is available in some, but not all, cities. We see no reason for withholding useful and highly relevant indices of school, but not individual student, performance, and recommend that all school systems adopt a policy of full public disclosure. Expanding Opportunities for Higher Education 
By enactment of the Higher Education Act of 1965, the Congress committed this nation to the goal of equal opportunity for higher education for all Americans, regardless of race or economic circumstance. While progress has been made, this goal, the key to virtually all managerial and professional jobs, remains for the disadvantaged student an unfulfilled promise. Mr. Harvey Ostdyk, Educational Director of the New York Urban League, testified that less than one percent of the youth in Harlem go to college. In the nation, approximately eight percent of disadvantaged high school graduates, many of whom are Negro, attend college. The comparable figure for all high school graduates is more than fifty percent. The fundamental reasons for this disparity lie in the cost of higher education and the poor quality of elementary and secondary education available to disadvantaged minorities. In the preceding sections, we have recommended programs which we believe will ultimately eliminate these differences, but the full effect of these changes will not be felt for some years. In the interim, if we are to provide equality of opportunity for disadvantaged youth with college potential, special programs are needed. Expansion of Upward Bound and Establishment of Special One-Year Postgraduate College Preparatory Schools The Upward Bound Program of the Office of Economic Opportunity, under which students from poverty backgrounds attend intensive six- to eight-week summer sessions on college campuses and receive special assistance throughout the school year, is designed to motivate and prepare disadvantaged youth for college, the program has been effective. Of the 23,000 students covered in 1967, 52% of whom were Negro, 83% went on to college. However, the size of the upward-bound program is far short of the need. Estimates indicate that some 600,000 poverty-area students could usefully be included. We believe that the upward-bound concept is sound and recommend that the program be substantially expanded. Even an expanded upward-bound program will not compensate for the poor level of secondary school education attained by ghetto youth. We recommend that federal funds be available for special one-year educational programs, with the function of providing college preparatory training for disadvantaged youth. These programs could be operated by community colleges or local boards of education. Removing Financial Barriers to Higher Education The effort to assist qualified but needy young people to obtain a higher education should be strengthened and expanded. Through the Educational Talent Search Program, the federal government provides financial assistance to public and nonprofit agencies to identify and encourage disadvantaged young people with college potential to enter or re-enter educational programs. The President's proposed Educational Opportunity Act of 1968 would provide combined grant, work, and loan aid to poor college-bound students in need of financial assistance. Such assistance should be sufficiently flexible and substantial enough to accommodate the differing needs of individual students. 
these programs can make an important contribution to the realization of the goals set by the president in his nineteen sixty eight education message to congress that every qualified young person have all the education he wants and can absorb if this promise is to become a reality these programs must be funded at a level commensurate with need the benefit gained by increasing opportunities for disadvantaged students to seek and obtain higher education can be amplified by providing incentives for college-trained public service personnel particularly teachers and health workers needed to work in poverty areas this can be accomplished by providing for the cancellation of loans at a reasonable annual rate if the recipient works in a low-income area such a forgiveness feature is included in the national defense education act loan program expanding opportunities for vocational education despite substantially increased efforts made possible by the vocational education act of nineteen sixty three quality vocational education is still not available to all who need it the recent report of the advisory council on vocational education established to evaluate the act concluded that although five out of six youths never achieved a college education only a quarter of the total high school population in the country received vocational education similarly a nineteen sixty four labor department survey found that less than one-half of the non-college trained labor force had any formal preparation for the jobs they held existing vocational training programs are not effectively linked to job opportunities the advisory council found little evidence of much effort to develop programs in the areas where critical manpower shortages exist examples are the health occupations and the technical fields the special need of the dropout is still being neglected with an unemployment rate for negro youth more than twice that for white youth this problem is particularly acute to improve the quality and expand the availability of vocational education provision of additional funds as recommended by the advisory council may be required the federal vocational education program should be strengthened by enactment of the proposed partnership for learning and earning act of nineteen sixty eight significant improvement of vocational education however will depend on the use made locally of federal and other funds we suggest the following guidelines inclusion of intensive literacy training literacy skills are obviously indispensable to productive employment all vocational education programs should provide literacy training either directly or in conjunction with adult basic education and other programs greater emphasis on part-time cooperative education programs combining formal instruction and on-the-job training through the use of released time the advisory council found that these programs which provide students with jobs upon the completion of the course are the best available in the vocational education field they consistently yield high placement records high employment stability and high job satisfaction the most important factor in improving vocational education 
is that training be linked to available jobs with upward mobility potential. To accomplish this goal, the active cooperation of the business community in defining job needs and effective training practices should be fully engaged. Consideration should be given to releasing students to attend pre-training opportunities industrialization centers. Full Implementation of Vocational Training Programs for High School Dropouts the Advisory Council found that assistance available under the Vocational Education Act for the training of this group is not being adequately utilized. The need for doing so is critical. Elimination of Barriers to Full Participation of Ghetto Youth in Vocational Education Programs Some vocational schools attempt to improve the quality of their student body and enhance their prestige, by raising entrance requirements. This policy eliminates those in greatest need. This practice should be discontinued, and support for these students should be expanded. Follow-up support and assistance to ghetto youth receiving vocational training. The Advisory Council reported that the most successful vocational programs are those which assume responsibility for placing their graduates, and thus get feedback on their strengths and weaknesses. Vocational educators should continue to provide counseling and guidance to their students until they have been successfully placed in jobs related to their training. Increased training to meet the critical need for more workers in professional, semi-professional, and technical fields. Demand for public service workers alone exceeds supply by five to one, Preparation of disadvantaged students for these desirable positions should be intensified. Implementation of these programs The Federal Role The principal burden for funding the programs we have proposed will fall upon the federal government. Caught between an inadequate and shrinking tax base and accelerating demands for public expenditures, the cities are not able to generate sufficient financing. Although there is much more that state government can and should do, the taxing resources available at this level are far from adequate. The federal government has recognized and responded to this need. Federal expenditures for education, training, and related services have increased from $4.7 billion in fiscal 1964 to $12.3 billion in fiscal 1969. These figures include aid for preschool, elementary, secondary, and higher education, vocational education, work training, and activities not related to the education of disadvantaged students. This network of federal educational programs provides a sound and comprehensive basis for meeting the interrelated educational needs of disadvantaged students. We need now to strengthen that base, as we have proposed, and to build upon it by providing greatly increased federal funds for the education of the disadvantaged. The State Role Many states provide more support for suburban and rural schools than for inner-city education systems. Designed at a time when suburban school systems were poorer than those in the cities, state aid formulas now operate to reinforce existing inequities. 
we urge that every state re-examine its present method of allocating funds to local school districts not merely to provide equal funds for all political subdivisions on a per-pupil basis but to assure more per-student aid to districts having a high proportion of disadvantaged students only if equalization formulas reflect the need to spend larger amounts per pupil in schools predominantly populated by disadvantaged students will state aid be allocated on an equitable basis to assist the states in devising equalization formulas which would accomplish this objective we recommend that the office of education develop prototype formulas federal programs should require allocation of federal aid to education within each state in accordance with formulas which conform with the above criteria we recognize that virtually all school districts need more money than they now receive provision of expanded state aid to education may well be justified whatever the amounts may be we believe that allocation should be made in accordance with the standards described above finally the states and in particular the state education agencies have a key role to play in accomplishing school integration the states are in a unique position to bring about urban suburban cooperation and metropolitan planning we urge that the efforts of state educational agencies in this area be given clear direction through the adoption of statewide long-term integration plans and intensified by active promotion of such plans the local role we have emphasized that more money alone will not suffice accomplishment of the goal of meaningful educational opportunity for all will require exercise of enlightened and courageous leadership by local government the programs which we have proposed can succeed only if imaginative and effective use is made locally of funds provided by the federal and state governments mayors city councils school boards and administrators must lead the community toward acceptance of policies which promote integration while improving the quality of education in existing racially segregated schools the cooperation of their suburban counterparts is no less essential this responsibility is not limited to public officials it is shared by the private community business and professional leaders clergymen and civic organizations attainment of the goal of equal and integrated educational opportunity will require the leadership support talents and energies of the entire community End of section 55 recording by Maria Casper